Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, just a little teaser, as we continue through our messages from the heart, uh, we are going to have communion, something we haven't done in quite a while. And it's really a big part of the church, and, and shame on us for not doing it more often. And so I would encourage you to come out. We'll be sharing communion together. Again, not literally. We'll have our own individual packages of uh, communion juice and wafer. But just a great time, again, for the church to celebrate and remember what the Lord has done for us. So I wanted to encourage you to join us next week for that. Uh, In the meantime, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2 this morning in a message entitled, Living Sacrifice. And as I mentioned, we are continuing our series of messages from the heart. And uh, when I put this uh, sermon series together a while back, uh, I really wanted to give the pastors of our church an opportunity to share a message from their heart. Take a little break from Isaiah. You know, Isaiah may confine us to just preach. Obviously, we, we always try to preach from the text. And so this will give us a little opportunity. Hey, you know, maybe there's something that us as pastors want to share with the church at the time, whatever we're going through, something God has impressed in our heart or something that has just really helped us in our own personal lives. And this morning, that's what I want to do. I I selected a passage of Scripture that has really helped me in my personal walk with the Lord uh, early on in my life. It's one that I I cling to and and refer back to often. It really grounds us and gives us um, really just the basics on how to be a believer, what God has required of us, especially in this age when there's just so many things changing and you don't know the rules for example, uh, the last week I was gone in my family, we went up to Yosemite. And uh, real different from the previous times that we went, there's a lot, a lot of new rules, uh, a lot less people, which was actually, it was a little eerie, but it was nice once I got used to it. It's like, oh, this is what nature is supposed to be like out, outdoors, not a bunch of cars and, and a ton of people. But anyways, uh, while we were there... Um, there's all these new rules on you know, where to stand and where to go in and where to come out. And unfortunately, I got caught up in a few, a few wrong directed things. I went and tried to go in the exit door and they wouldn't let me in there. And so I had to figure out how to get to go the other way. I just wasn't familiar with all of everything. And then also I was maybe not standing six feet exactly from somebody. So they got a little upset with me because I was maybe like five feet, 10 inches. It's just all these rules, and it's like, man, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm just going, you know, going with the flow here. Things are changing all the time. And the one thing that is always constant is God's Word. And, and that's why, again, I, I selected this text, because it's just grounded me in my own walk. Every time I feel like I'm getting, maybe drifting away from the Lord, I really don't know how to handle something, I go back to this verse. And I pray this morning, as I share it with you, that you yourself will find that reality, that the Apostle Paul here has really given us a grounding on how to live as Christians. And even in in the text this morning, again, it's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, before Paul gets to this point in chapters 1 through 11, Paul is exhorting 
believers to respond to all that the Lord has done. Because it, if you're familiar with Romans, and even if you're not, I'll give you a quick overview. In chapters 1 through 11, Paul is really telling us all that God has done for us. Where God, at one point, each and every uh, human being throughout world history and even after we're long gone, stands condemned before God because of sin. And this is brought out in the early chapters of Romans. And so we're helpless without God. And so Paul talks about our condemnation before Christ. And then he talks about our justification, which is God's righteous act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin. What God has done for us in His Son, Jesus Christ, and us believing on Him. We are justified by God for those who believe. And then he talks about sanctification, which is the action or process of being freed from sin and purified. So in our position in Christ, we are sanctified in Christ as believers. But there's also this daily sanctification, which we're going to focus on. That's going to be the main focus of this morning's sermon our sanctification. How do we become more and more like God? Because that's what we're called to do. The Lord doesn't just save us and let us to be on our own. No, He's given us some guidelines, some rules on how we are to be believers. And again, that's what we're going to focus on. And then finally, he talks about God's glorification, where it's the ultimate separation from, uh, for believers and their ultimate separation from the power of sin which will ultimately happen in the age to come, the second coming. So I say all this again to say, Paul's built up this argument of all that God has done for us. Now, what is our proper response as believers to what God has given to us, what God has done for us, and who God is for us? And that's where we dive into the text this morning. So look with me once again as Paul gives this exhortation to believers. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren. And again, brethren is talking about the believers. He's talking to the church at Rome and by implication to all believers of all time. So there's this exhortation. Again, because of what all the Lord has done for you believers, he says, I urge you by the mercies of God. And this is his first exhortation for uh, believers. It is this. He says, Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So let me read the entire section because it's only two verses. And for, uh, for those of you taking notes, there's going to be three main points this morning. So he continues on in his exhortation. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's so going back to verse 1. The very first exhortation is this. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. He's telling us to give ourselves completely to God. If you think of a sacrifice and what the first century church would have been thinking of is their daily sacrifices that they go to the temple and give to the Lord where they take an animal. And you can even remember in the Old Testament where they were called to bring an animal to the Lord and offer it up as a sacrifice. So they would give it to the priest and the priest would put it on the altar 
and they would offer it up to the Lord and sacrifice the animal. And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling the believers to do, that in a sense, you are to be that sacrifice. You are to give your entire self up on the altar to the Lord. But he makes some distinctions here in this verse. Because obviously when you sacrifice an animal, the animal is dead. It can no longer do anything. But Paul makes a distinction here about the believers, about you and, uh, and me. He says this, you are to be a living sacrifice. So we're not dead sacrifices that are left on the altar. No, we are active and we are, we are active and we are given new lives in Christ to get up from that altar once you've submitted to the Lord and live for Him. That's what it means to be a believer. You are a living sacrifice. And if you think about sacrifices and you looked back in the, whether it was Exodus or Leviticus when they talked about sacrifices, the sacrifice that you were to give wasn't like your leftovers. It was the very first of your flock and the very best. And the animal had to be perfect without defect. And so this is why he says in the, in the second section of this, not only are you a living sacrifice, but you're a holy sacrifice. God has made us holy. God has made us perfect in one sense. But not only that, but the holy also means it's set apart. That's exactly what the word holy means, to be set apart. So like the animal was set apart to give to the Lord, Paul is saying we as believers are set apart to give our entire life back to the Lord. We are a living and holy sacrifice. This is the sacrifice that is acceptable to the Lord. That's why it says that. Holy, our living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to the Lord. You're acceptable because God has made you acceptable and your reasonable form of service or your spiritual service of worship, which is closes out in verse 1, is to do just that, to give yourself back to the Lord. Your entire being. That's why, again, the, the first point is that we give ourselves completely to God as a believer. That is your expectation. It's not an option. Um, as believers, we don't get to pick and choose the way that we worship the Lord. The Apostle Paul and the totality of Scripture tells us what it means to worship the Lord. And again, that's why I like this verse, and I said I've, I've referred to it many times in my own life, because it tells me who I am supposed to be. I don't have to wonder. He tells me right here that I am to present my body as a living and holy sacrifice. This is my, my translation says, spiritual service of worship. Some of your translations may say this is your reasonable uh, service of worship. This is your, what's expected at the minimal and so, we'll, so those of us who are believers need to ask ourselves, is that what we do? Do we give ourselves wholly to the Lord? That's part of the arrangement, so to speak. It is the covenant between us and God. God has given us His entire self, His own Son, for our lives, and we, in reciprocation of that, give ourselves back to the Lord. And those of you even who are not believers and are hearing this for the first time maybe, that is what it means to be a believer. You give yourself 100% to the Lord. Again, you don't get to pick and choose and say, well, I believe in God, but I live my life my own way. It's 100%. You're giving your entire life 
to the Lord. God lays down the ground rules, and anything less or different than that is not reasonable worship. As a matter of fact, you may remember in Matthew 22, when a man came up to Jesus and asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Like, what am I supposed to do? What is the one thing that I am supposed to do uh, that could be considered the greatest commandment? And what did Jesus tell him? Did he say, oh, just believe in me. That's all you have to do. He didn't say that. Did he say, oh, just go to church. Just listen to a, a sermon or come to temple. No, this is what he said. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Those three words are heart, soul, mind, encompasses the entire being of a person. So in essence, Paul is mimicking or re replying here in, in Romans 1, or 12 verse 1, to what Jesus said in Matthew. You're giving your entire being, your mind, your soul, and your hearts, your entire being, being completely to the Lord. So that is point number one. He says again, I'm urging you, I'm exhorting you, because what God has done, the proper response for us is to present our entire self to the Lord. And again, I ask you, each of you individually listening this morning, have you done that? Have you given yourself, presented to yourself to learn, say, Lord, I'm yours. Oh, my, my heart, my soul, and my mind is yours. I'm a living sacrifice for you to do what you want to in my life. Again, that is great direction for those that are saying, well, what does it mean to be a believer? That, that is number one. We give our entire selves over to, the, over to the Lord. And again, that's not an option. It's our reasonable, our expected service of worship. The second point as we move into the second verse, the second exhortation that Paul gives to the believers is found in verse 2. Let's read it. He says, And do not be conformed to this world. And that's the second exhortation for you to write down is don't conform to the ways of this world. So what does that mean? The word conform means to conform to or to be fashioned like or molded. Uh, think of, you may remember, those of us who are older now, uh, Play-Doh. When you have a little, uh, a little jar or a little cup of Play-Doh, the kids take it out and they form it, right, into certain characters or build things out of it. That's what he's saying. Don't be formed or fashioned to something. That's the command to the believers. And what is that something that we are not to be conformed to? Well, he says, don't be conformed to the world or to this age is another way of saying it. Well, why not? What's wrong with this world? What's wrong with this age for those of us who are believers? Well, for those of you who are believers, you may already, well, you probably already know this, but this age that we now live in, and really since Christ has come back, is the age that he has given over to Satan, that Acts, Acts 26, 18 tells us, that this dominion is Satan's. That Satan is the current God of this world. He's allowed to rule. 
in God's sovereign plan, there's going to be an age to come where God will take this over and redo the entire heavens and the earth. And that's what we look forward to. But in the meantime, as we live in this world, we are told, do not conform to this world. Right? Again, this age, this world, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us that the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelieving. And Ephesians 6.12 also reminds us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We as believers don't fight against other people spiritually. Uh, again, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, and the world forces of, excuse me, and the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a satanic uh, rule over this world that's opposed to God. And he's saying, don't be conformed to that. To that. Don't let it mold you into its shape. Again, we are to look for the kingdom to come, which is where our heavenly citizenship is at. Remember Jesus' high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, specifically in verses 13 and 17. You can read that on your own. But I want to point out verse 15 in particular. Jesus, in praying to the Father, says this. He says, I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. So Jesus is saying, hey, let's not, I'm not going to take you out of this world. I want you to be in this world, but I don't want you to be of the world or a part of this world. As a matter of fact, the Lord has called us out of this world to follow him. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, uh, Paul tells us this. He tells the church this. Let me read this to you. He says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? And what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. That verse right there really sums up what I'm trying to say in this, do not be conformed, that there's a separation. Even in the midst of believers living in this world, there's this separation that, that, should, that should exist, that we're not like everybody else. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, on how that's how that transformation is, is to be played out on a daily basis. But the point is that God has called us out from this world, even though we're in it. We're to be distinct because we are His children and all that He has done for us. Again, like I said early on, this is one of those verses that I've gone back to in my life over and over again to remind me of who I am. I'm giving my life 100% to the Lord. That's my totality, my heart, my soul, my mind. And now that I'm not letting this world, this age that's ruled by Satan, to dictate to me and form me and mold me into what they think I should be. 
And that should be for all believers. We are to be transformed, which is the very next point. So we're not conformed to this world, right? So then what are we supposed to do? Here's the third point. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the third exhortation by the Apostle Paul is to be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And if you look at that word transformed, it's talking about taking change into a, a different form. To be transfigured. The Greek word, we get the word metamorphosis from the Greek word from transformed. So think of a butterfly. Right? It, was a, it was a caterpillar. Then it goes through and becomes a beautiful butterfly. That's the, the picture that we have as believers, that we were at one time something, and then God transforms us by the power of His Holy Spirit, and we're, we kind of like morph into something else. We're transformed into something else. And Paul is calling every believer to make this transformation. So he's not just saying, hey, don't conform to this age, but he's saying, don't conform and be transformed. And we'll see what that results in in a few moments. And Scripture, it, this isn't the only time you hear about this. This is something that is ongoing in Scripture and in a number of verses. For example, early on in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29, the Apostle Paul tells us that we know that God predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. So the Lord's not saying, hey, I just saved you and I want you to believe. No, I want something to happen to you as a process of that belief. Because you believe and God's spirit is in you, you're being conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So you're being molded. So if you were that Play-Doh that God saved He's going to rearrange you and mold you into the image of His Son. doesn't mean you're going to look like Him, but you're going to take on His character, His morals, and be like Him. There's a transformation that takes place. In another place, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says that we are all being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Again, there's this big transformation that needs to take place in a believer. If you are a believer, this should be taking place in your life. And we're going to talk about how in a few moments. Thirdly, one more place I'd, I'd like to share where this is addressed in Colossians 3, verse 10. He says, put on the new self who is being renewed in the image of the one who created him. So again, salvation is bigger than, hey, I just believe on something. But that belief should be evident in, this, in your transformation as you understand again, just like Paul has been addressing in Romans 1 through 11, once you understand and have this knowledge of all that God has done for you, how He has saved you, how He's provided a way for you, how he's gonna, it's going to ultimately lead to your glorification, part of believing is that this transformation takes place. It doesn't stop just in your head. It consumes your entire being. Again, that's why he says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. The image is your entire being. We, you lay yourself on the altar of God and allow Him, through the power of His Holy Spirit, to transform you. 
So you may be asking, well, how does this take place? And obviously he's talking to believers, and so that means, one, you have to be a believer for this to take place. That means you're already indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Now look in chapter, back down to uh, Romans 12, verse 2. He says again, be transformed. How? And it says this, by the renewing of your mind. This is the sanctification process. This is how it's done on a day-to-day basis. This is how you grow as a believer. You and I need to grow in our sanctification, meaning we become more and more holy for the Lord. Again, it's, it's a lifelong process. We don't become saved and we don't need to do anything else because uh, you know, we're, we're all of a sudden you know, magically transformed into the image of Christ. Again, there's this constant process, this daily renewing of our mind. And and the total transformation will not be complete until the Lord takes us home to be with Him. Now think about this word, uh, renewing your mind. The word, it means renovation, a complete renewal. You change from, from something bad to something better, something old to something newer. It's like if you're renovating your house, renovating a room in your house. What do you do? You take out all the old stuff, you rip it all out, and you renew it with new things. Whatever you're designing, whatever you're creating in your house or your room, it's a renovation. You tear it all out, and you put in something new. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us. that he's gonna, You need to renew. You need to take out the old stuff and put in the new stuff. Well, where does that take place? Again, it's the renewing of our mind. And our mind is just the compromises everything. Our our feelings, our perceptions, our thoughts, our will, our reason. So the Apostle Paul is saying this total transformation takes place when you renew your mind. And again, it, it, it presupposes that it's already happened through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can will to happen. Number one, you need to be saved for this to happen. So again, because he's addressing believers. So believers, you and, and me, I need to understand that this takes place by renewing our mind. A complete renovation. And not only with God's, word, uh, God's Spirit, but with God's Word. It's hinting at that, hey, we need to learn something. We need to put something into our brain. Well, what is that? And over and over again in Scripture, in the New Testament in particular, there's this emphasis on understanding and learning. And obviously it's learning the Word of God. Let me give you a few verses that talks about this renewing or that's emphasizing this learning. Uh, This is just the way that it happens. Again, it's not just something that's put into our head and we're transformed 100%. No, it's a process. It's the process of sanctification that takes, takes place day after day after day. So in the book of Ephesians, you could turn there with me. It's just a couple, uh, maybe like four or five books past Romans. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verses 20 through 23. Ephesians 4 verses 20 through 23. Look at what it says. So he's speaking to the church again. He says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. So there's this distinction of their former life. He said, you've learned something about Christ. And how do they learn? Through the teaching and of God's word. 
So you've learned, you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard of him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed, again, you be renovated, how? Or where? In the spirit of your mind. And I just want to read the next verse. And put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Again, the main point there is there's this, there's this talk of renewing your mind. How? By learning. Learning about Christ. And where do we do that? Through His Word. Drop down to the next chapter of Ephesians in chapter 5, uh, particularly in verses 8 through 10. He just says this, For you were formerly darkness. So talking about the believer's old life. You were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And look at this, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, the emphasis on this learning, this teaching, this renewing of our mind needs to take place. And it takes place by learning about the Lord. Lastly, turn a couple books over to Colossians chapter 2. Look at verses 6 through 7 as Paul continues this main point. Colossians 2 verses 6 and 7 says this, Therefore, as we have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. So they're believers. They received the Lord by believing in Him. And look at what it says in verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith. So there's this, so they're believers and now they're growing, right? They're rooted, they're built up, and they're established. How? Just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So again, there's this emphasis that how are they, how are they rooted? How are they built up? How are they strengthened? How was their minds renewed through the instruction? Through the instruction of what? The things of this world? No, by the word of God. So again, the third exhortation to believers is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And in a really practical way, I want to share how does that take place. So we hear, okay, we need to renew our minds by reading the Word of God, but what does that mean? Some of you might be asking, and some of you may even struggle with this. So I just can't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and this renewing is going to take place. In one sense, it does, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, you also need to continue on growing and learning about the Lord. And how do you do that? Again, not being conformed to the image of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind by studying God's Word. How do we renew our minds? We study God's Word. And again, it's not just a, a rudimentary reading of God's Word. Like, okay, I read a verse, I read a few verses, and you check it off. Like, hey, I'm going through the Bible in the year, which is good. I'm not saying don't do that. But if you're going through the Bible in the year just to go through the Bible in the year, then you're not really studying God's Word. What you want to do is you want to come to God's Word, obviously through prayer, and through the power of His Holy Spirit, and you want to read God's Word with the intention of learning about God. You want to go to the text to learn something, not just reading to read aimlessly. We need to be purposeful in renewing our mind. And I'm going to give you three easy steps on how to do that. And obviously, 
This isn't going to take place unless you're filled with God's Spirit. And God's going to show you these things. But there is our part. And this is just a, a really, I say simple, but maybe it's not. I just say it's a simple way or easy way for you. If you're like, hey, I struggle studying God's word. I don't really know what that means. I hear you say it or Pastor Jared or Pastor John saying that we need to read God's word or whoever, whatever pastor you listen to or Christian friends say, hey, we need to lead, read God's word. But what does that mean? How do I do that? I'm going to give you three uh, simple steps that, that I hope will help you in doing that. And it's really what I do when I prepare my sermons. I take these three steps, but obviously I, I expand upon them or I would, uh, wouldn't have much to say. Uh, but these are simple things that each and every one of us should be doing on a daily basis so that we renew our minds. And it's something that we should desire to do, to learn about God, study who God is and what He has done. So, um, so you could take notes on this. The, the first Thing that you should do when you come to God's word, obviously after praying, is to is observation. Observation. That means what does the text say? Just like I'm doing this morning, we came to Romans chapter 12 and we read it and we said, What does God's word say? It says that you should present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That's what it says. That's the first thing that every one of us needs to do when we come to God's Word and we read it, is ask ourselves, what does it say? Not what does it mean yet, don't get into that. The first thing we need to understand is, what is it saying? It's pretty simple what it says. I mean, I honestly, what I do when I'm preparing my sermons, is I'm almost writing out the entire section of Scripture to help me understand what does it say. And maybe sometimes I put it in my own words to help break it down. So you, you observe the text and you ask yourself, so what does it say? So once you have down what does it say, and we'll use our text this morning for an example, when it says, okay, Paul's exerting the brothers by the mercies of God to present our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That's what it says, but the next part is interpretation. What does that mean? Right? We have all these words, and if we don't really understand them, we have to do a little work. We have to maybe get a dictionary. We have to maybe get a commentary, which helps you understand some of the background of the text. Or maybe it's a little simpler, and you can understand what the text means. The hard part is, is this text was written uh, sometimes over 2,000 years ago, especially when you're looking at the Old Testament. And so it's a different culture. The words they use are a little bit different. So that's where the, the kind of the hard part comes in. Because these are people writing to a certain people at a certain time. So you have to remember the author has one meaning. When he wrote this, when Paul wrote, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, he meant one thing. It doesn't have multiple interpretation. It means one thing. He wrote this and he meant one thing when he said it. That is the, the work that we have to do. Well, what does he mean when he says that? Right? There's not many interpretations of Scripture there could be many applications of Scripture, but the interpretation is really, for the most part, only one thing. And so that's the interpretive part. We observe what does it say, and then we interpret it, what does it mean? And all that is great, but we need the last part as well. And you can't get the last part until you get the first two down. The last part is application, meaning how can I apply the meaning of this text to my life? And, we, and we've done that through the sermon this morning is, okay, we know what it, 
he says. We know what it means now. How do I apply that to my life? So he told the early believers in the church that they need to present their bodies as living sacrifice. That means me as a believer, I too need to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. So I hope those, just those few little points help you in your study and your progress as a believer. If you're study, you need to study God's word, right? So that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to let the Lord transform us through that process. So again, observation, what does the text say? Interpretation, what does the text mean? And application, how can I apply the meaning of the text to my life? Right? We have to take the meaning from the text. We don't bring our meaning and what we think it means. Right? We do our best to understand what the scripture is saying. We don't tell us, we don't tell the scripture what it's saying. And it doesn't change because now we live 2,000 years later, it still meant this, it means the same thing. Our application may change a little bit, but for the most part, it needs to be derived from the text. So when we do that, again, when we do these three things, these three exhortations, what is the end result? Now look at the very last part of verse 2 in our text this morning. It says this, Again, let me read verse 2 just so you get the whole understanding. He says, again, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that, this is the result of these things, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So as you live out these three things in your life, the Apostle Paul is saying, he's saying, as you do these things, you will live a life according to the will of God because you understand what you're supposed to do. Sorry, there was something flying in my face there. But you will live according to the will of God because you follow these three exhortations. You're going to prove it by your lifestyle. You're going to be living according to the will of God. And the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And that is all we want as believers. Like, How do I fulfill the will of God in my life? How do I do what God wants me to do? Well, again, present yourself 100% to the Lord. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, as Apostle Paul says, you will uh, prove the will of God. You'll be living according to the will of God. And so, again, I wanted to share this with you this morning Again, because it's, it's meant so much to me over my life. And obviously it's in Scripture and it's meant for all of us. So I pray that you would take this exhortation from the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul sorry, and apply those to your life and walk according to the will of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we again thank you for this morning, this opportunity that you've given us as a church to gather even remotely and you've given us technology that where we could proclaim your word to a lot more people than we might have normally reached. And we get to reach those who are at home watching. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would begin this transformation of, their, of themselves and this renewing of their mind. And you would, it just would encourage them to renew their minds through the study of your word. Help each and every one of us to study your word, to make it an important part of our life that we might glorify you and live according to your ways. And Father God, I also pray for those this morning who do not yet know you. They may even think they know you because they say, I, well, I believe in the Lord. 
I pray this would give them an understanding of what that truly means. That if they believe in the Lord, they understand all that you've done for them, that their reasonable response would be to give their lives over to you, to give themselves back up to you, to sacrifice their own desires, their own goals in their life to live for you. And I pray as they do that, Lord God, you will reward them immensely, not only with the end result of eternal life and knowing you, but being able to walk through this life with hope, with assurance, knowing that they are pleasing you. And they are living what they've been living in such a way that they've been designed to live. I pray that you would help them to do that this morning. And we pray all this in the name of your Son, who is our Savior and our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us in today's study. If you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services, you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's R-E-N dot church. Thanks for listening.